kids are in here. Yes. I love having the kids in the service with us. All right. Um, just a couple quick announcements with that. So, kids, you guys are going to stay in the service with us today. We're going to do a little family service. Um, I know. <laughs> Trust me, I've already heard it. It's going to be so boring. <laughs> Well, I give you permission. There are some coloring pages. If you did not get one, you can color. And if I bore you, you can uh, just tune me out. It's fine. But um, hopefully you can stay focused. And this is the thing. When I have people over to my house, I kind of expect it to be a little chaotic, especially when kids are involved. Totally fine. That's what we're going to do today, right? If it's a little chaotic, if you guys are talking a little bit to each other, that's fine. I'm not going to get upset. And you spill drinks. Try not to, but it happens. So, um, Whatever happens, it happens. We're a family-oriented church, and we love seeing our children with us. So uh, welcome, children, youth. I'm glad you guys are here. Uh, the other announcement is that we are going to do one final uh, service for the year next week, uh, Chris, our New Year's Eve, uh, the 31st. We will have service here at 11 o'clock, just like normal. Um, we're going to be around tables, though, and doing kind of the table discussion thing. So uh, it should be a fun end-of-the-year service, and I hope you all can join us next week, and then in January, we'll start back up with all of our normal, fun uh, women's gatherings and um, other Bible studies that we have going on. So be on the lookout for those, and uh, it's going to be a fun year next year. So for today, I know in the valley, we don't get a whole lot of snow, but I thought this was perfect to get like the fog and driving in in the fog. Um, it's just about as close to the snow as we can get because it kind of <laughs> looks like it. So um, it was a nice morning and hopefully you guys have all of your Christmas shopping done and everything's under the tree and all ready for that family to come and um, berate your house or you're going to go to someone else's house in your family. This morning we are going to wrap up the Cosmic Christmas series and we are going to take a look as we step back a little bit from Revelation but we're going to read the Christmas story this morning from Luke chapter 2. And I found some cool and exciting things uh, this year reading through it with a different perspective, having read through uh, the parts of it in Revelation over the last four weeks. So if you have not been with us, if you're visiting this morning, um, we have spent four weeks in the book of Revelation looking at the Christmas story uh, and parts of it that pertain to what we see in Luke chapter 2. As we went through this book, we kind of made an agreement to um, not just try to come to, uh, to agree on all these different parts, but to grow in our understanding of what is happening in the realm all around us. That this Christmas season, um, when we look at the story of Christmas, we're not just looking at all of our typical characters that we hear about in the Christmas story. We're going to read Luke 2, and you'll hear the angels, you'll hear the shepherds, you'll see Mary and Joseph. But I'm hoping that through all of this, you're, through the last four weeks, you're able to gain a greater perspective of everything else going on in the realm outside of the physical, in the spiritual realm all around us, in the spiritual realm that was surrounding Jesus in the season, and Mary and Joseph and what was going on in that that week of uh, traveling to Bethlehem and delivering of the baby. <clears throat> There's this term that I want to explain to you, or not the term, but a, a structure within the Bible. It's a literary structure called a chiastic structure. The letter X 
in Greek is, a, is the letter chi, or C-H-I, if you want to try to spell it out. And what the, the chi is one of my favorite letters in Greek. I know I'm a nerd like that because math uses Greek symbols all the time, right? This letter chi uh, gives us a structure found in biblical text that isn't found in any other text prior to that, that time that this was written. What chi does, the chiastic structure, zeroes in on a specific point, right? If anybody has ever played Fortnite or like Call of Duty or even like Duck Hunt for some of the older generation, right? There's a, a scope that zeroes in on a target, right? If you got a sniper rifle and you got the crosshairs, you're zeroing in on a target. If you're a hunter, you know what I'm talking about. The chiastic structure takes that same idea of zeroing in on a target using this letter chi to say, hey, here's the crossroads of important information that centers in on this specific point that I want to emphasize. Right? The word Christos, our Greek word for Christ, uses the letter chi as its first word. It means messenger or savior, right? or messiah or savior. Um, John F. Kennedy used this structure in his inaugural address where he said, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country, right? It's this sort of a mirrored image of importance pointing at this center of the chiastic structure. Ask not what, you can do, what your country can do for you, however, ask what you can do for your country, right? It's, it's to say, hey, we have this side, and I'm not saying this, but we also have this side, and, and this is pointing to right here in the middle, the very focus of this structure. We see it again in Matthew chapter 23, where Jesus says, whoever exalts himself will be humbled. Those who humble themselves will be exalted. The first shall be last, the last shall be first. Right? The emphasis is mirrored, right? He's saying the same thing, okay? He's saying the same thing on both sides of the structure, but it's zeroing in on the specific point of let, let humbleness, let humility be the, the focus of this message. Whoever exalts themselves will be humbled. Those who humble themselves will be exalted. This is where it gets beautiful. When we look at Luke chapter 2, the entire story is chiastic in structure. In Luke chapter 2, we get the first part of it. In, in verse 3, he talks about the first registration while Quirinius, right? Quirinius is a name, and, and it it's, might be a little bit of a stretch to see it, but there's names on both sides of this story. Quirinius in the first one, and then Jesus in the last, in the last part of the, the chapter, and then it talks about the manger. They laid him in a manger. And then it goes into the shepherds. And then it goes into the angels. And then there's an announcement. And at the center of it all, we have the Savior has been born to us. The birth of Jesus. This chiastic structure is, is what we want to zero in on this morning. We want to put our crosshairs onto the birth of Jesus, because as we see it here in chapter 2 of Luke, we also see it in the grand narrative of the entire Bible. 
I really finally caught this last week when we were talking about the new creation in Revelation chapter 22, and I realized this is exactly the same way that the Bible started. It starts with the creation account in Genesis chapter 1, and it ends with the new creation in Revelation 22. And these two bookends are chiastically structured to zero in on Luke chapter 2. It looks kind of like this. We have creation, and then we have judgment, then we have ruination, and the pinnacle point of the entire narrative of the Bible is Luke chapter 2 when Jesus is born to us. When the baby is given, when the child has been given to us. Therefore, what the entire Bible, not just the entire Bible, but all of time, from the beginning to the end, the entire narrative of everything that we know, from, from the creation of Adam and Eve to the destruction of the entire world, it's all pointing back to Jesus. Everything that we know from the beginning of time to the end of time is focused on Jesus and the birth of Jesus. So let's read it together. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him, and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger, because there was no guest room available for them. If you can picture, or maybe you guys have seen, um, they have movies all the time about traveling to certain places. Um, the old one was, Are We There Yet? Have you guys ever seen that movie? Yeah. yeah. Good. Thank you. <laughs> I, I kind of picture this journey of Mary and Joseph traveling from Nazareth down to Bethlehem as an Are We There Yet moment. Right? They're, they're, they're going and they have all these twists and turns and they get, when they get to Bethlehem, I've always kind of heard this message preached as, well, there was no room in the inn for the baby Jesus, for, for Mary to have a place to give birth to the baby Jesus. But now, knowing what we know, after having read Revelation chapter 12, I start to see the, the grand picture of this narrative. The beast out of Revelation 12. The dragon was on the hunt. Just like any good cinematic movie, right? The antithesis, the, the, the bad guy, right, is on the hunt for the good guy. And he is searching out all the different areas that the good guy could be, that Jesus could be. The dragon is on the prowl, and he is looking for someone to devour, as it says in 1 Peter. And Mary and Joseph, as they're going from here and there, God is protecting them so that the dragon cannot find the baby. The hero is God. God is in this whole narrative, in the simplicity of them not being able to find a place for them to stay. God is working his miraculous. 
He is defending in the spiritual realm against this fire-breathing dragon that's trying to destroy Jesus before he is born. So when we take this telescopic view of the story of Christmas and we remember the imagery that we've been looking at in the book of Revelation, I want us to see the reason behind the parts of the story that we may have simplified or trivialized over time. God isn't just humbly entering the world as a baby. He's evading the tactics of a fire-breathing dragon. He isn't simply coming uh, to the world to, to be wrapped in cloth. He's coming into the world to save an entire people, to welcome us into the narrative of the, the story in which spiritual realms are destroyed and the heavenly God is exalted. The deliverance of the Savior child was the initiation of the finale. As we've been saying, God is the God who was, who is, and is to come. When we take this step back this Christmas, and we see the narrative for what it is, we recognize that God knew the beginning and the end, and He is today. And knowing the entire perspective, knowing that God is omniscient, and in his omniscience, he knows all of the events that will happen throughout history. He chooses to enter the world humbly in the form of a baby in the deliverance of Jesus. This is God so loving the world that he is giving his one and only son so that no one may perish. Let me say that again. This is the story of God so loving the world that He is giving His one and only Son so that no one may perish. This is the Gospel. Jesus being born to us is the beginning of the Gospel story. As we continue in verse 8, we're introduced to the other characters in the story. There were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over the flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and, manger, and lying in a manger. And suddenly a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened which the Lord has told us about. I've done multiple Christmas series on the angels and on the shepherds. And I've looked at perspectives of how the angels come in and they're a part of this story and how the shepherds are traveling and, and the magi are traveling to come and, and find this baby Jesus. And it was different this year. It was different this year because I was caught up in the throne room of heaven in Revelation chapter 4 and 5. And, and when I started thinking of the angels, I had this image of these beasts, these, these giant 
creatures with eyes that are, that are filling this, this, their bodies. They have wings and they have, uh, they're, they're just, they're, mass, they're mega beings. And, and there's this company of people surrounding the throne room of God. And I, I get caught up in this vision of being in the throne room of God. And these are the angels that are here. And I can only imagine the worship that was happening on the deliverance of Jesus. That this wasn't a simple event. This was a glorious event for all of us, for all of mankind, for all of time. The angels are rejoicing glory to God in the highest and on peace, goodwill to men. And as we've looked at the angels and we've gotten these image in the throne room of heaven, I think of those, those instances that we've looked at in the, the last four weeks where the angels lean over to John and say, John, don't worry. John, don't cry. John, we know the end. We know that there is victory in the end. So don't forget about the heavenly choir. Don't forget that your place as a human will be a son in the kingdom of God, worshiping before the throne. In the book of Revelation, we catch that glimpse of heavenly worship, and it awaits us. John describes those myriads of angels singing in unison, and it's happening now, praising God and the Lamb of God. It's this beautiful scene that reminds us that the birth of Jesus was the beginning of his redemptive plan for all of creation. So we continue. And verse 16 says, So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds had said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. The Christmas story is so much more than just a story. It's a fulfillment of prophecies. It's a, a fulfillment of words that have been spoken for years and years about the coming of a Messiah. It is the event in all of history that changes all of mankind. It is the redemption of God with his people, humankind. The response of Mary is the one that I want to look at. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this. The reason why we gather together as a church is so that we can spread the word about this. The reason why we're here this morning and for a lot of the vision and, and the things that we are going to do here at Northgate over the next coming years is for this very reason. We have been given a gift. Jesus is our gift. And since we've been given a gift, we have a responsibility to now go and share this gift 
with others. It is large enough of a gift to satisfy all of mankind. So when we respond to the Savior and we reflect on the birth of Jesus this season, we're called to respond in worship, gratitude, and surrender. In surrender, I want us to be challenged by the gift that God has given us this season, that Jesus has been given. The, the uh, characters inside of this story are just like you and I. Shepherds, people traveling from afar to different places, moms, dads, hard workers, children, youth, grandmas, grandpas. We're all included in the narrative of the story. Jesus has, or God has given us the gift of Jesus to be able to go and share amongst all of the people. So, may the joy and peace of Christmas fill our hearts, fill our homes now and forevermore. And may we continue to share this story with all those that we know and love and will be with this season. If you would, um, could you go ahead? Let's, I want to pray for us. We're going to sing a couple more songs and end with a, a can, we're not doing a candlelight service tonight. We're not doing like an evening service, but we do like the significance of shining our lights brightly. And so we're going to sing two songs. Um, after the second song, we'll come up and we'll, we'll pass out the candles and then we'll finish with one last song at the end where we can light our candles together and celebrate Christmas. Let's pray. God, I, th I thank you for the gift that you have given us in Christ Jesus. God, you have known the entire story. You are the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. You have known the narrative. You have known the story as it would unfold from the fall of Adam and Eve to the new creation of a new Jerusalem. And in the center of it all, you have given us Jesus. You've given us your one and only Son. That whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. God, that's what we are celebrating this morning, this weekend, as we gather together with family and friends and loved ones. We're celebrating the gift that you gave us in Jesus, and we're recognizing the significant cosmic event that proclaimed victory against all of the, the angels and the demons and the, the fight for eternity. God, we join together with the choir of angels as we envision you sitting on the throne, Jesus being at the right hand of the Father, and we sing, Lord, glory to God in the highest. We pray in your name. Amen.